Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in the Madison area. I am here with my co-host, Coach Manchi from Kimberly, Fox Valley Throws. Coach, how we doing? Doing awesome today. This whole greatness about this summer and getting fall sports going is, is super exciting. And we've had some great weather and it's great to see crowds again, Brian. You know, just oh, a yeah. huge football attendance at our first game and you know, lots of parents and grandparents getting out there to watch the games and friends, and it's just so much more back to normal right now, at least up in our area. Well, and, you know, talking with just, you know, some other sport athletes, like some some of my volleyball girls and, you know, some other kids, you know, the, the fun part for, for us now is, okay, so a lot of kids have played their first game, you know, their first competition. Now is where you see a lot of growth and development from that first week of playing to that second week. And, you know, obviously football is a sport that we know that happens in a lot, right? You get to make corrections and things like that. But I agree, you know, I was at a couple games, you know, watching some different kids play in full stadiums, um, you know, concession stands open, kids, you know, doing their, their student section cheers, everybody's together. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of good things happening in high school sports. With that said, obviously, Dean, you know, last week in our last podcast, we talked about in-season training and, you know, we obviously stated the value of it, but also some key factors in making it successful within your school, which is communication and working with coaches and development and things like that. Today, you know, we really want to hit part two of that in-season type of, of discussion that we're going to have and talk a little bit more about program design, um, volume, how to go about setting up your in-season program. So for you, you've been in the high school setting now for 27 years, almost 27 years. We have a lot of our coaches that are in the high school you know, realm. We got a lot of kids that are in high school listening to this. Me, I've, I've been in the private sector and in college, you know, and in all three of those scenarios, college, high school, private sector, you know, you handle the in-season a little bit different. Um, so I really think that this is going to be a great episode for our listeners because this is why, you know, this is part of why you play, you know, you, you play a sport to win a championship. The in-season training has to set these kids up to have the best success possible. Yeah, Brian, I think, you know, this is the, probably one of the most frustrating topics from a strength coach at the high school level that I have probably experienced because as a strength coach, you're trying to help out all of your sport programs you know, and then some are very difficult as far as they don't, they're very confused in season. They're, they're, they don't, they, they want all the practice time they have just for their athletes and developing the skills of those athletes, whether it's volleyball or what, whatever sport it is, you know, that practice time to them is so valuable as far as trying to get their schemes and X's and O's and everything else goes. And, you know, my whole idea of educating coaches is when in season starts that's part of your practice and that has got to be built in and like we said in part one you have to do it a minimum of two days a week and I don't care if you're playing four basketball games that week or whatever schedule you have boy they're doing it at the you know, the highest levels you know the NBA and the major league baseball and we can go on and on with all these different types of sports and they got tons of games the other thing is you know, these kids nowadays are so used to playing all the time. A lot of them are never in an off season. I mean, it's very familiar to, you know, talk to a basketball kid or, you know, any type of athlete and, Hey, we played seven games 
over the weekend, whether it was right. volleyball, softball, basketball, or whatever. So, you know, there isn't, you know, an off season for a lot of these athletes nowadays. And we, you know, we always tell our listeners, we want kids to be multi-sport athletes, but you know, they're not only doing their, their, their uh, one sport, they're doing their second sport, then they're doing their training. And then maybe they're doing some additional stuff because, you know, a lot of kids are motivated and they want to try to be the best version of themselves. So in seasons always been one of those topics that I think is very confusing for coaches in that, Hey, they're a little, how do I get all this done during the time frame? And I, I think they get a little scared and it, it can be so simple, Brian, we know this as we program lots, but it, you do have to really, as a strength coach, get involved with the sport coach and find out because there's only so much gas in the tank with an athlete. And obviously a lot of that energy, that lot of gas that they're using is on that practice court, the field, the diamond, the track, you know, swimming pool, whatever it may be. So you have to make sure you're doing it correctly. And that's, you know, one of the reasons for our part two today. Well, and I think, you know, the first thing that I think we want to tackle um, is you hit on, you know, days, you know, how many days a week, minimum of two. Okay. A lot of, a lot of programs I've been associated with, we go three, right. We do, you know, a, a day after the game, some, some type of recovery workout, you know, a main workout, and then kind of, we would call it a primer, you know, to get ready for it. Two is great. If you can get two workouts in a week, you know, some sports are playing two to three games a week. So you got to work around it. And like you said, coaches and strength coaches have to communicate and you can't assume you can't assume that you're on the same page. You know, I encourage our guys that work in schools to talk with a sport coach at least once a week, you know, have a, have a 15, 20 minute dialogue with the coach, understanding practice plans, things like that. But as we get into setting up a program, which, you know, you and I, we love doing, right. We love talking to each other, um, sharing ideas, things like that. But, when you're setting up the program for your in-season athletes, the first thing that's the most important is you have to pick exercises that they know how to do. Like you can't just go into an in-season and randomly start selecting different things because you saw, you know, something at Wisconsin, they're doing this or at Iowa, they're doing this and they're in season. Oh, we should be doing this. No, you have to do things in the in-season that your athletes know because, like you said, Dean, there's only so much time. And if you're spending a lot of time in the weight room explaining and teaching new exercises, one, you're losing the growth that you've already had with your off-season or preseason or anything like that. Two, you're wasting time. You're just flat-out wasting time. So you have to have exercises that the kids know. And – when I develop an in-season program, anything that we did in the summer or in the preseason, that's why we did it because it's going to be in the in-season because it's valuable. And no, you know, we use a conjugate system. And you know, I have an article coming out um, on Elite Fitness here in about a week about how we use the conjugate system in season, and it's very unique. Um, anybody wants to understand how to do that a little more thoroughly, you can always email me because we're not going to have a lot of time on this podcast to go through every single program. But Dean, like you, like we said, kids have to know what they're going to do when they walk in the weight room, because it just takes way too much time to teach new stuff. The other thing, Brian, you know, the last thing you want to do is add additional stress 
onto an athlete during the end season. Because we look at, for example, school's going to be starting up here pretty quick. I know there's some schools that are in session currently right now. You know, a lot of them are going to start right after September here. And, you know, that's going to be enough stress on them. Now their whole routine changes. Now they're doing longer practices because some don't have school right now. So there's a lot of stress on it. Now you have game nights coming up, you know, and there's more pressure. There's a lot more on these kids' plates than there was when you and I were in high school. And you start doing lots of different, more complicated exercises. Hey, they're trying to think of all the plays and the scheme and what they need to do so they can play fast on a Friday in a game or be ready to go and be really prepared. And now you're throwing a bunch of different new stuff at them and you're trying to teach it. That's just more on their plate than now, hey, the gas tank's overflowing and now it's paralysis through analysis. You know, it's just too much. You know, our big thing is when I think of an in-season design, hey, two things that kind of the, my KISS theory, which is keep it short and simple. And then I want to strive for the MISS theory, M-I-S-S, make it simple and short. You know, you got to make it simple. Like you said, and now is not the time strength coaches or sport coaches to be doing different things that you've never done before. For example, if, if you have never done a hand clean or a power clean or a snatch in a weight room or a trap bar deadlift, this is not the time to start putting that into your program just because you went to a clinic or you, you, you listened to some other coach and you have to do this exercise. There's no have tos. The only person that really knows what's best is the person that's dealing in their own facility with their team and knows their athletes right. and knows how the sport coach works. I One of the things that drives me nuts is that, you know, everybody says, hey, can you make a in-season workout for me, Coach Matchy? And the bottom line is, you know, I say no. I will help the sport coaches and I will sit down and help them and not coaches sport coaches, not one week before the season starts, okay, because we, we're dealing with lots of sports, but we will certainly get together with you because we got to find out, hey, how are you running your practices? Are you running them at the end of practice till they're ready to puke, running gassers, and, and you're just crushing them? Or how are you running your practice? Is it a short practice? Is it a long practice? Are you tapering off when you play certain big games? That's going to make a difference. So it's not as simple as putting the program together. And you and I know, Brian, even any type of program, I think the best strength coaches, you might have a nine-week program designed for an off-season. Let's talk about an off-season right now quick. Yep. And you're always making adaptations and changes as you see yep. what's happening. It ne I never do a program, and that's what we do for nine weeks or four weeks. The great coaches in my mind are that really understanding is, hey, what kind of feedback, what are you seeing? What's that coach's eye that you're getting back, that feedback from the kids? And how are you making some changes to best suit those athletes? Because it's just like a game plan for coaches. You put the game plan in and what happens when start, things start going wrong in a game? You have to make adjustments. And we're no different being strength coaches. Well, and I think too, you as a strength coach, you can't force it. You, you can't force your plan, you know, if something's not going the way that you designed it. In a perfect world, you know, everybody walk in 100% fresh. Everybody, you know, there'd be no injuries that you have to work around and things like that. So, like you said, you have to be very flexible. 
Um, you have to be patient. Coaches, you have to be very patient and, and understand um, that communication is very important. I think um, one of the other things, Dean, with exercise selection and, you know, the program that you're running on that day, you know, we talked about time. Um, you can't get rid of, you know, your injury prevention exercises. So, you know, the areas of the body that break down posterior chain is, is a big one for us and mobility and flexibility, you know, because you're pressed for time coaches, a lot of times we'll hear, Hey, we don't have time to do this. So we'll just do like a quick two minute stretch. No, that's not okay. You know, these kids, you know, especially if they're coming in in the morning, which I really encourage to get the kids to lift first thing in the morning to get it done. So then they can focus on school and practice and eating and all the other things. Plus it forced them to go to bed earlier at night, but you can't just force everything on the kid. Okay. You have to make sure that, like I said, the mobility, like when we had Kevin Zeitler on, he brought up a third of our workout at Wisconsin was mobility and warm up. Like 15 to 20 minutes. We had an hour to lift the kids. 15 to 20 minutes was our warm up and mobility work because the ultimate goal of the in season you want those kids walking out of the weight room feeling better than when they walked in. And we've seen it. And coaches, you're going to see it too. You're going to see when your kids, when they're dragging, because their body language, their shoulders are slumped forward. Um, you know, they, they come walk. Lack of energy. They lack of energy. They come walking in. Maybe they haven't shot. You know, the boys come in, their hair's all over the place because they got up like five minutes ago. And that's something that you have to address right away. But you have to make sure that that mobility is kept in your workout. The second part of that, Dean, and we talk about this all the time, and I know you guys really pride yourselves on training like sharks in the in-season, right? You're always moving. So instead of having your typical, let's say you're, you're doing a, a you know five sets of two in the squat, instead of having a kid do a set and then you know watch and then watch and wait two minutes and do another set, go have them do some type of upper body exercise and then some type of core or mobility exercise to keep them moving. Because again, you want the body to keep moving because that's great for restoration. Plus you get through a lot more stuff. I know for my programs, anytime we do some type of lower body, you know, multi-joint exercise, we're doing some type of upper body pull. Anytime we're doing some type of upper or upper body pressing exercise, we're doing some type of posterior chain lower body. So we're really crossing, making an X with the body you know, as we do that, but it keeps the athletes moving. So we get a lot of work in, in a short period of time and we keep them moving. I think way too many times sport coaches think the weight room wears them out, wears the athletes out. We could and talk it, for days about this one. Yeah, right? <laughs> If you're not, you know, very up to date and you don't have that growth mindset, but the weight room should help you feel refreshed. Right. And if your kids are saying they're too sore, they're worn out, you know, sport coaches, you gotta, you gotta understand that you gotta hit nutrition harder. You gotta hit sleep harder. You gotta hit recovery harder. You gotta think of are our practices too long. You know, some people they just want to have long practices, thinking they're getting a lot done, but isn't an efficient practice. You know, a lot of times people are standing around, they're doing nothing. How long are they on their feet? You know, you have to look at different factors when you think of. It, this is going to wear them out. It's not going to wear them out. Now, if your kids have not done any preseason training, so you're a coach now and your kids have not done anything and you start training them 
in season with your practice, yes, they are going to get extremely sore and they are going to wear out very quickly. And that's why we talked how important that preseason was into that. But I'll tell you, at the high school setting, all of our kids, boys, girls, I mean, I talked to tons of high school coaches. Everyone's doing some kind of training nowadays, Brian. Right. The key is what they're telling me is high school coaches are telling me that then strength and conditioning is a lot of coaches aren't doing the in-season and that they should be. They're doing a great job, summer, preseason, out of season, but then in season, that's when a lot of the sport coaches, the strength and conditioning coaches are saying, hey, these sports coaches aren't understanding the value of this. And that's why we went through part one. Well, and I think too, Dean, when you talk about like conditioning at practice, right? Everybody has their own philosophies on it. And there's not a need to, if you have a strength and conditioning program in your high school, Okay, there shouldn't be a need then to do a lot of conditioning once you start practice. I always say in-season conditioning is called practice. And it, it falls on the sport coach then to decide how intense practice is. Okay, I saw a thing that I tweeted out yesterday, and this is kind of like a 1980s, 1990s mindset, right? It's coach conducts conditioning that only targets sub-maximal intensities. First of all, most sports that are team sports are not sub-maximal intensity. Volleyball is a maximal effort sport. Every time you jump, it's a max effort. Basketball, sprint, okay, slow down, go. It's max everything, okay, football, max intensity, okay? So you're conditioning them for something that they don't need at that time, all right? Okay, the second part of that then, athletes are under-recovered because of the short rest periods and the long duration, okay? And then they're also improperly prepared for the demands of their sport. So- not only are you wearing them down, you're taking away from some of the prep work they may have done in the, in the preseason, you know what I mean? And, and getting rid of some of that fast twitch that they may have built or even some of the strength because you're wearing their body down. The next part of that then is overly fatigued athletes cannot perform or repeat high intensity actions. And, and this is important coaches and appear out of shape and tired. Okay. Appear out of shape coaches then assume this is the last point that more conditioning must be done to solve this issue so this and i wish our our viewers could see it you know you can follow it on our twitter page we have it up there um it's just a vicious circle right kids look tired kids look like they're not able to complete stuff we got to run them more they're not in good shape one of the one you know one of the football schools that really revolutionized these short high intensity practices was oregon you know, in the, in the mid 2000s there, like 2008, 2009, where they went to really fast tempo, they practiced for an hour and a half. And their philosophy, Dean, was practice starts at this time. And this is something that drives me nuts as well. Sport coaches, this, you have to get good at this. Practice starts at this time, gets done at this time. All right. If you want kids to be on time and early for practice, you need to respect their time and their parents' time and be done when you say, if you can't get your work in, in the amount of time you've listed for practice, develop a better practice plan and be more efficient. And, and yeah, I understand that straight into the point, but at the end of the day, if you're going to put out, the, and the kids see this and the kids know this, the kids know, oh, we're half hour over again, you know, and you want to talk about demoralizing some kids. Like if they've had a great hour and a half practice and they've flown around and then you're going to keep them for an extra 20 minutes, 
Like you, you have to be better at that. But then there's this vicious circle. We got to keep running. We got to keep running. And then all of a sudden, Dean, what do we hear? Oh, they got tired legs. What are we doing in the weight room? Really? Real? I mean, really? I mean, at, at what point does that go away? I mean, it's just, it's such a 1980s mentality. Practice the kids hard. Let them get home. Let them eat. Let them sleep. Let them recover. Let them do their homework. And then let them come in and train and be trained by people that specialize in what we do. Well, I think it's very easy, Brian. Let you know, I, I think I've been coaching football for, you know, 27 years now. And, you know, and it's always, and every year, all these kids are all, they're out of shape. You know, they're out of shape the first, you know, a couple of weeks of their first game and all that, you know, and you got to look at it. You cannot get in football shape unless you play a game of football. Right. And you can't, you can't simulate that at all. And it's the same thing when you go into basketball season, you have to be able to play your sport. And I think a lot of times, you know, I just think coaches get frustrated because you know what? Kids are really raw in the beginning of the year. You know, that's why you got the C in your cap. You know, you have to keep coaching it up. And if they, if they would come in the first week in, in your sport program and be in unbelievable shape, but what are they going to be in week 14? Right. You, you know, there's got to be a, a situation where they're going to keep getting better. So I think coaches get real frustrated because, holy cow, these kids didn't retain a lot from last season. Or I thought we'd be farther along than we would, but you're going to remember these aren't professional athletes here we're dealing with. You're talking about high school kids, right? So when you get these athletes, they're not going to be in you know in postseason shape right now, no, because they haven't had a season, right? They haven't had all those games. You can't simulate that. They're not in the school setting right now. You know they're you know for example they're they're doing a summer. Their whole schedule's different. So I think coaches get really frustrated and that's kind of like a built-in, I think, right. you know, we always talk about our athletes. They don't have a built-in for you not being able to perform. I think the built-in is that, and then coaches get frustrated. So what do coaches do then they have them run more, right? Because they don't have the answer, right? They don't have the answer. So they're frustrated with the kids and you know, now the kids are frustrated because their coaches are yelling at them because they're not in shape, but yet you, you can't be. Well, and the other thing, the other, the other thing too, Dean, is like, if you if you're a sport coach, you know, and you're you're sitting there in, you know, in, in volleyball or basketball season or even football season, you're looking at it's, a, it's the end of the year, and you're like, man, our kids are in very good shape. Well, practice needs to be hard. It needs to be game speed. Like the games should be easy for the kids. Like I know at Wisconsin, our Tuesday and Wednesday practices were murderous on our old linemen. I mean, they were so hard. Our guys used to say the games were like their eight easiest day because practice was so hard, yet we never conditioned our guys. We made practice hard, and then we were done, you know? And so, and as a strength coach, you have to, you have to be aware if there's a lot of stuff going on at practice that is going to fatigue the athletes because then it's your job because the athlete is the most important to then make modifications. Okay. Have conversations with the sport coach. Don't bitch and complain because that's their team. You can't, you can't complain about a head coach that wants to do something their way. You have to modify around it. Now, are there educational times to talk about it? Yes. In the in season, probably not. Okay. I can speak to this. Dean sport coaches don't want to talk about, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this at practice during the in season. You know what I mean? Just like as strength coaches, you know, we don't want sport coaches in there in the offseason say, hey, we need to do that. You know, it, it, you know, it's the respect factor. And you also have to realize that these sport coaches 
are under a lot of stress, right? Every single game they're all, you know, we talked about, you know, you guys on last Friday, you know, got, everybody's nervous because you just don't know what's going to happen. So you got to have respectful conversations, but strength coaches, this is where you come in is you have to understand the volume of workload being done at practice, being done by various players at practice, because you're going to get, you know, let's use basketball as an example. You're going to get kids that are going to play 25, 30 minutes on a game and a game. And you're going to get kids that are going to play four to six minutes. So then you also have to make some adjustments for those kids, you know, on the fly when they come in, because maybe they had a long game and they had a long travel day the night before. You know, uh, being a strength coach and a sport coach, Brian, I think it's very important. We talked about that communication, but, you know, I've been in both situations there. And I think as a sport coach, we have to be thinking of how are we running our practices? Right. Are we running them efficient enough to get lots of guys repetitions, depending on your numbers of your athletes and every sport has different numbers, but sometimes you look at a football program and Hey, the number ones are getting most of the reps in practice, correct? And the twos and the threes and fours, a lot of times you go to a youth practice and I'll just be driving by and then drive by five minutes later. And I see some kids haven't moved, right? They're just sitting on the sideline. Not only are they getting bored, <laughs> but they're not, they're not getting anything out of it. They're just sitting there. So I think as sport coaches, and, and I failed on this many times, because I think it's hard as a sport coach to get everybody involved all the time and to be able to run a practice takes a lot more organization, you know, on, on the head coach's part. And then you got to be communicating with your assistants. And are we really running a very deliberate, productive practice to play the pace that we want to play? Right. You know, a lot of times coaches say, oh, we're so far out of shape. And then, well, look, who, who do you think's really out of shape? Well, this person, whether well, they're, you know, they're our third stringer. How many reps are they getting in practice? Well, yeah, that's right. They're, you know, they're hardly getting that near, not nearly as many reps as the first and, and second are. Well, that, that's, that's your answer right there. They're, they're standing around a lot more. They're not getting enough repetitions and in scrimmage reps and live reps and, and all that kind of stuff. So, it can be done. We just got to think it's not easy for the strength coach. It's not easy for the sport coach, but working together, it, it'll really make a difference and really help things out. Well, and, and two, you know, piggybacking off that, I think, you know, what we're really talking about is volume, right? Volume of work. Okay. So obviously in the in season, the volume of uh, the majority of the volume of work has to come at practice. Right. Cause that Absolutely. you want, you want to have the best practices possible as a strength coach, you have to piggyback off that. And the, the big misconception that's out there, Dean, is we got to go lightweights, more reps. And that's the exact opposite is in, in multi-joint exercises. Okay. For, for me, we still do some high rep stuff with our, with our single joint exercises more for therapy and, and, and things like that. But in your multi-joint exercises, the, the goal of the in-season is to maintain strength. Like we've talked about in many of our podcasts, you bench 400 pounds at the beginning of season, you bench 400 pounds at the out of season, okay, when the season's done. That's maintaining strength. You can't maintain strength by doing three sets of 10 at light weight. The other thing that that does is that creates more fatigue in the athlete, okay? More fatigue in the athlete. That volume of work in the weight room has to be extremely low and it has to be very high intense. So in other words, doubles, singles, 
triples, no more than triples for multi. I, I never do triples multi-joint in the in-season. Bench, squat, deadlift, anything like that. We do doubles or singles. And we work, you know, 80 to 90% of their max because we have to keep them strong. One of the best lessons I learned, Dean, when I was at Wisconsin, um, and it was the first year I had the O-line. So I had some good seniors there. I had Billy Nagy, um, John Moffat, Gabe. Um, and then some, you know, Kevin was a, a younger guy, you know, Pete Cons. we had a lot of, and really engaged in what we were doing. And uh, it was, it was our first week of camp and uh, Herb's, he, he loved the prowlers and we, you know, the prowlers have their place. No, I, no doubt about it for conditioning. Um, he wanted to do for their lower body that day, he wanted to do some prowler work. And, you know, I was downstairs and that was when I was, you know, when I had started taking over programming the O-line and stuff like that. And he wanted everybody doing stuff together. And I think Billy Nagy came up to me, he said, he goes, bot, he goes, we do this all day at practice. He goes, what, he goes, why would I, he goes, why are we pushing more sleds? He goes, I got to go up to go and do this at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know? And I said, Hey, Bill, I said, that's a great point. Go up, ask curves if you guys can squat. And he goes, well, are we going to squat heavy? I go, absolutely, we're going to squat heavy. He, and I said, you take some ownership in it. You know what I mean? And, and you take some ownership and just say, hey, you know, went upstairs. Five minutes later, they're down in the weight room. In camp, in camp now, guys, coaches, we weren't doing sets of eight, sets of 10, lightweight, you know, to let, no. We were doing six doubles in the back squat, and we had easily 10 guys with over 500 pounds on the bar. And this was in our two-a-days. Okay, because they wanted to feel strong. It's a confidence thing, but it also didn't fatigue them. They, they walked out of the way and they're like, we feel better than we did before. And so as you start thinking about a program design, the things that you value have to be in there, like we said, and they have to be done with high intent. Okay, with some weight on the bar. You can't be, a, if you've coached your kids really well, strength coaches, okay, and if you feel confident in them doing any exercise, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to do an exercise in season that they were doing out of season. To me, Dean, the only exception that I would say would be Olympic lifts because of the wrist, if you do Olympic lifts, but we don't do those in our gyms. But if you have something in their out of season that the kids are doing, there's no reason from a, a strength standpoint that it should not have a place in the in, in season. You shouldn't be afraid to do it in season. Because if you taught them well, they'll be able to execute it well. Yeah, technique by far is the most important part. Because obviously, you know, if, you know, you talk about a high school kid, you know, high school kid, we're going yeah, to slap a lot of weight on there and they're going to do a half squat. Then we know that all they're doing is hurting themselves and increasing their chance of injury. So coaches out there, we want to make sure that they're doing the exercise correctly. The thing I will say, younger athletes, I think you can get into that you know, set six reps, five reps, because remember when a person's a beginner, they're a young guy, we're working on grooving those good positive movement patterns in the weight room and making sure they're doing it correctly and hitting some of the glutes and things that are probably going to be weak with young kids because they haven't fully developed your situation at, at Madison. I know if thinking of high school coach, 80, 90% in season, holy cow, you're talking about division one, college athletes so yep. as the kids get stronger and as the athlete gets stronger obviously they're going to be able to handle a heavier load because their technique is going to be much better in the first place so when i'm dealing with some freshmen hey we're going to lift three days a week instead of two like our jv and varsity because 
they can handle more. They're younger. Their body adjusts real quick, doesn't get as sore, and we can bring some more repetitions in the weight room because they're fresh. They're beginners. The load's not that heavy anyway, and there's more of a learning curve on making sure they're doing it right for long-term athletic development. Well, and the thing we talked about too, and you're, you're right with that, Dean, those, those are for your, your kids that are playing varsity sports that have been in your program two or three years. Or like I said, that could be someone that's coming to my gym. You know what I mean? That I have trained in the off season. So that's a whole nother situation we're talking about too, because now you have to know what they're doing, you know, in the weight room in their high school, as well as on the practice field. And that's a very specialized situation. Your freshmen and sophomores, Dean, I think we agree on this. They're, they're basically in a developmental mode, you know, even in the in season, you can't win a state championship with a freshman team. You know, your goal is to develop, to continue to develop them. And one of the great benefits that I see as a strength coach and force, not forcing, but having more training sessions for your younger kids when they're younger is they learn how to handle in season training. You know, I see so many programs where the freshman kids maybe lift like once a week, you know, they're almost left behind more coaches. Those are the kids you really need to hammer. Those are the kids because that's your future. Like if you're just so focused on the kids that are playing right now, what are you going to, you know, then next year, all of a sudden you got to play catch up. Then, you know, it's just like, I'm not training, you know? So I really agree with that point, Dean, that the younger kids, you know, they need more sessions and, you know, they need different, you know, more stimulus and things like that. Um, you know, when I talk about low volume, I'm always talking about in our multi-joint exercises, you know, the squat, the deadlift, the bench, like I said, we still, you know, hit the posterior chain with a, a lot of volume, you know, with a lot of volume, because again, that becomes injury prevention and therapeutic for the athletes. You know what I mean? You're trying to get blood flow through the hamstrings, through the upper back, through the shoulders, you know, the areas that get really sore, you know, on, on athletes, whether you're a hitting athlete, you're a pitcher, um, your football player, your, you know, whatever it is. So those are done with a little bit more volume, Dean, in our programs. But, you know, when you're looking at, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, okay, we're pushing, we're pushing a pretty heavy load or, you know, we're doing exercises for speed, like, like we would in the conjugate system where we've got bands and chains, accommodating resistance, stuff like that. But again, it's all things that they've done and they've been doing. The other thing, Brian, is, is guys get dinged up, especially like in a game of football. And in some kids get injured and they, maybe they have a upper extremity injury, say they hurt their wrist last game. You have to be able to, as sport coaches and strength coaches in there, modify that workout to help that kid so he doesn't lose any more time. So, for example, they might be out, maybe have a shoulder injury, upper, any type of upper body, and you could be doing like the pit shark. Right. for legs or whatever, but you have to be creative. You know, Joe Thomas talked about that when he hurt his, hurt his elbow and he was, you know, training other things like that. I remember we had a case where uh, we had an athlete, he had a shoulder surgery. And I remember in the off season, you know, for, for a long time, he couldn't do anything. And he was just pounding out the pit shark and pounding out glued ham. And he came back, we retested him. He was faster than he was yeah. before he got injured. So don't let that be an excuse that, hey, I can't do this. It's You're always working around it. I know as a FIED teacher, a lot of times we'll get a doctor's excuse. And, hey, we want to know exactly what that kid can and cannot do because 
you want to be active and you want to be doing something to get better, whether it's mobility, whether it's core work, whether it's lower body, upper body, but whatever you can do, you can always pretty much work around any injury from what I've seen, unless, you know, like a concussion is a different deal yeah. now because, you know, they don't want them doing anything with that, but, you know, get with the athletic trainers, sport coaches, find out same thing, strength coaches, find out with those athletic trainers. Almost every high school has got an athletic trainer now and then communicate with them and then make sure you're doing whatever you can to get that athlete back on the court, the field, the diamond or whatever after that. Well, I think, too, Dean, one of the questions that we've gotten is like day after the game, like day after a game, you know, type of recovery workout, right? And that's the best thing for the athletes. Um, you know, get them in, get them to do something. You know, I, I know that light strides are always used. That's good to get the heart rate up, um, things like that. Another great tool, Dean, that coaches can use, especially the day after the game to get a lot of, you know, a lot of blood flow and a lot of volume would be sled work. Okay. Um, you know, kids can walk sleds. They can, you know, drag them backwards. They can laterally walk them. They can row them. They can face pull. You can put lightweight on there. And again, it becomes more therapeutic for it. And I think Joe DeFranco, we talked about this the other day, really likes sled work in season because there's no eccentric loading and that's where kids get sore. And so that's one thing that we have a, as a big staple with our kids is that the day after a game, you know, they have to come in, they have to move, you know, we do all our mobility stuff and, you know, we'll do some body weight, you know, flexibility, mobility, some body weight squats, but, you know, a lot of time can be spent on that sled and athletes, you know, maybe, maybe you go to a school where it's Monday through Friday and maybe you, you can't get in. Maybe the, the, the coaches don't, you know, do anything on the weekends. Maybe that's just part of your school policy. Sleds are like 50 bucks. You can buy one for yourself. Like if you, you, if you follow our Beaver Dam Sports Advantage, those guys are walk, they're dragging sleds through the neighborhood, things like that. If you really are serious, you have to do something the day after a game and it's got to be stuff to alleviate that soreness. You know, we always tell our athletes, I think every athlete, you know, no matter what program you are, because coaches run different practice. Some have a Saturday practice. Some give, you know, their kids off Saturday. Some bring them on Sunday. Some let them off on a Saturday and a Sunday. You know, everybody's, every sport is different. Every sport coach's philosophy is different. You know, there's a lot of burnout with coaches right now, you know, being away from their families, giving kids more time because they're burning out. But as an athlete, athletes out there have to realize, you can get a you can get a band and you can do extra mobility work at home. You can buy a foam roller. You can get a lacrosse ball. You could get a sled, like you're saying. So a lot of these things you can do a, a warm and cold contrast shower. There's things that you can do, making sure you're getting that sleep, making sure you're eating that breakfast, getting that post-workout recovery, eating more fruits and vegetables for health and more lean protein for muscle recovery. So there are so many things that you can do, athletes regardless of how your program is run and coaches, you need to emphasize that because it's all about keeping your athletes safe. Your best ability is your availability. And if you're hurt, then that's no good. So if you're up till two in the morning, you're getting four hours of sleep, you got practice. That can be one reason why your kids look like they're out of shape because they're, they're just not coming in with the proper fuel. So all of those things are important. Now, the other thing I think sport coaches or whoever's running the in-season workout, 
It must be a team lift and it must be done all together yes. at once. It cannot be, hey, here's the workout on the sheet or here's the workout on the whiteboard and everybody just go ahead and get with a friend and go ahead and do it at your own pace. It just, from my experience, it doesn't work well at all because there's going to be too much chatting going on. Nobody's controlling the speed of the lift and every sport coach wants a short, no more than a 45 minute in season lift. And so it's got to be very structured and the coach in there can control the tempo. They can control what's going on. You might need a, maybe you got a wireless mic. Maybe you're, you're yelling it out. Maybe you got a countdown clock or some kind of timer that you're doing things, but whatever your system is using or your school or your coach, it has to be done as a unit. And just like practice, you know, your practice has got to be organized. Your weight program has got to be organized. And, and, and that's key. And sport coaches, you have to at least be in there. You know, if you have a strength coach, it's very understandable. You know, if you got game planning or stuff to do, um, you know, that you, that you use that time. Cause that's the benefit of having a strength coach sometimes is that we're, we're taking that 45 minutes to an hour off your plate sport coach where you don't have to worry about it. You know, so trust is a big thing, develop that trust, but it really makes a difference sport coaches to pop your head in there, engage, be engaging with the athletes and the coaches, you know, even if it's for five or 10 minutes, you know what I mean? If you can be there the whole time, that's going to make even a bigger difference. Like we've talked about before. If the athletes see that it's important to you, they're going to value it. The second part of that, Dean, and I've seen this, whatever your consequences are for missing practice has to be the same for missing a lift. And if you're hurt, missing a treatment with the athletic trainer without communicating, because if kids don't think there's any consequences and you know, you have a team lift at Monday and Wednesday at 6 AM, uh, man, I was up late. You know, I went to the volleyball game last night, you know, it was an hour away. I got home at like 10 30. I'm just not going to go because even if I don't go, it's not going to be, you know, there has to be consequences for it. And if there's not, okay, you're really not, you know, whole, the athletes aren't going to view it as, as important. You know, if the sport coach doesn't view it as important with their actions, you can't expect an athlete to view it as important. You just can't. That's that it doesn't work that way. You know, an athlete, you put yourself in a very bad situation. If you're an athlete and thinks, well, you know, I'm too good, or I don't need to do this, or this isn't important. Hey, I can perform on the field. Remember, it's not always about your athletic performance athletes. Is your strength coach, the in-season workout is designed to decrease your chance of injury. That is probably number one. Right. So I don't care how good your game was or how great of an athlete you are, you can still get hurt. We see it in the NFL all the time with the best athletes in the world. So we're looking out for you and trying to keep you healthy. And not only does it come with doing the exercises correctly, making sure you're strong, because when you don't work out for two weeks, you're going to decrease your power output, research says, and you just increase your chance of injury. So you got to understand everything that we're trying to tell you to do is to help keep you on the court, the field, the diamond, the track, whatever, and you got to trust the coach. Well, and Dean, I think that trust part of it comes comes into play too. You know, and one of the other questions that that I got 
you know, and this one's going to be more for you because you're in the high school um, realm is how do we prepare for the end of the season? You know, and it's, it's very unique, right? Because you're going, you're going to have, you know, football teams that may only play nine games, you know, but you guys have played 14, you know, so how do you go about that? But then also as a track coach, swimming coach, stuff like that, you're going to have individuals that are at different levels. So you have to be prepared for that. You can't take the weight room away too soon because all of a sudden, maybe you take it away for a conference meet. Well, then you got conference and then regionals and then sectionals and then state. Well, by then they've, they've gone about a month without training. So, you know, have our, have our listeners, you know, um, give our listeners something on, on how you guys handle that. Yeah, you know, I think that's, you know, that's a whole different part three episode, Brian, when we start talking about, you I know, that. <laughs> the, the, the tapering and kind of peaking and, and all that. I think that's an, another great uh, part three to this whole segment with the in-season and, and training and everything like that. What I will say is I, another thing that just came to my mind when we're talking about in-season and, you know, helping out and, and seeing coaches in-season I think you and your assistants, head coach and assistants, can't grab your kids and take them when the kids are lifting and doing their in-season workout as well in the weight room. Because I've seen that happen a lot. They're taking the star player, and then now they're having a meeting because practice didn't go good. Right. And they're trying to figure out what they can do to make the next practice better. Or maybe there's some drama going on in the team. And all of a sudden, that kid comes back a half hour later and misses a workout you know, he missed most of the workout or they're dealing with the situation. Maybe, you know, that the person has a personal issue or whatever. You, you can't be grabbing kids out of the workout. Everybody's got to be there from the star to the last person that gets in. And again, it's got to be a team lift because I've seen that happen a lot as well. And it just, it's, it's not good. You know, your, your best players should be your hardest workers in the weight room. They should be your hardest workers and they should be helping police how that workout goes, just like they're in another assistant coach in there. Servant leader. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Dean, I, I think that's a great idea. You know, we can kind of on, on next week's, why don't we kind of progress through a season and, and some different phases. And, and I think we can share because we got a lot of different sport coaches that probably listen to this, you know, how you can go about doing that. And it's a great idea because again, you know, we could talk it, in-season training, you know, for the rest of the year um, and still not cover everything we need to. But hopefully everybody got a lot out of this as far as, to me, the main thing is managing volume yes. in each season. Sport coaches and strength coaches, you have to manage the volume. And the thing that you have to realize is once you've gone too far and you've pushed them to the point where they're too fatigued to recover for the next practice, now you've lost them for, for a while. And now you got to really take some steps back because again, a fatigued athlete is not a functioning athlete. So Dean, anything, anything else from you that, that you want to share before we wrap up here? No, just good luck to all the coaches out there. You know, if, if you need some guidance and, you know, feel free to track message us, you know, call, give Brian a call, give myself a call, you know, and we've answered a lot of these just went through the podcast already great coaches out there that have gotten a hold of us and, you know, athletes as well. Hey, what can I do, you know, to help in this process? Because we're always evolving. 
what yep. we did five years ago is totally different than we're doing today and 10 years ago and 50. Everything is so much different. It's constantly changing. And again, every athlete's different. And we'll get more into that when we talk about tapering and, you know, trying to peak for contests and things like that. But as a coach, you got to make sure that the kids are confident. Like we said, that, that kiss theory, that miss theory, that is huge. Don't make things overly complicated. Keep it simple. They're working hard. They're having fun. Keep their confidence up because some of these most athletes that I see have made such great gains in the off season. Keep using it to your advantage. You know, we talk about Joe Ken says the number one trait that the weight room brings to athletes is confidence. And I am a big believer in his quote there and his statement, because I see it all the time, you know, from, you know, junior year, all of a sudden senior year, that light bulb goes on. They got a lot stronger. They got faster. They're jumping higher. You're, you're older and they're a whole different athlete on that field. So don't let them lose that confidence, ride that confidence throughout the season. And when you ride that confidence with everyone on your team, your whole team culture is better. And I think, you know, just to finish up coaches, don't blame each other. Like we see that all the time, like be better than that, you know, sport coaches and strength coaches. Don't, don't play the blame game. You know, why, why an athlete's tired? Well, it's because the weight room or because, you know, they're running them too much at practice. Don't go there. You know, it's hard not to, it's really hard not to, you know what I mean? But don't go there because at the end of the day, you're having that blame conversation. At some point, an athlete's going to hear it, you know, or another, you know, another coach is going to hear it. And it, it just really is a bad message to do instead of what's their fault. How about looking, you know, pointing with the thumb towards yourself and saying, what can I do? to help these kids out versus, you know, it's their fault. They lost their fault. They lost their fault. They're tired, blah, 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 blah. Don't play the blame game coaches. Okay. That's going to wrap it up. Oh, before we go, Dean, I want a big shout out to the Fox Valley throws club, um, finishing up their August sessions here. Another great session, the Fox Valley throws club. Um, Dean will be coming out with some more sessions here, probably after the, the, um, fall season. So look for those. Uh, he's got great information on his Twitter as well as his Instagram. Make sure, all right, please make sure, give us a follow on the Get Your Edge podcast, both on Twitter and on Instagram. We do a lot of sharing of different things from different people that we really value. Um, that really ties into what we talk about. So obviously, if you've, if you've been following us, you know we're sharing a lot of in-season stuff. Um, in-season training, fall, you know, fall training at Sports Advantage is up and running. We get extremely specialized with our in-season kids and then obviously our year-round program, stuff like that. So, again, good luck to all the athletes. Um, everybody that's listening, really appreciate you listening. P feel free to share the podcast uh, with your friends, with your teammates, because um, that's the way we want to spread this. We want to get as much information out as we can. Good luck to everyone this week. We'll see you next week. Chop it!